I would tell myself, well, you know, I would say the things that we know are biblical. God is bringing the people that he wants to have mm-hmm. here. And the size of this and the scale, the scale of this I don't control. Mm-hmm. The size of this is what God has given me to steward. And I would say those things. But the, the problem was there was a disconnect between my external aspirational talk yeah. and what I was actually feeling deeply right. in my gut. Right. And that led to problems. Welcome to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthardt, and I'm part of the Wellspring team. Our mission at Wellspring is to come alongside pastors, ministry leaders, and others, and help them serve God and others from a well-tended inner life. Now, you've probably experienced or have been hearing about the fact that ministry has gotten almost exponentially more difficult and challenging in recent years. Recent study and survey indicated that 38% or more of pastors have considered seriously leaving ministry in the last year alone. And actual numbers may be higher than that. Maybe that's you. Well, today's conversation, we hope, will speak to that directly. One of our Soul Care alum, Pastor Andy Lewis, experienced his own season of burnout, of hitting the wall, of not sure if he could or even wanted to keep going in vocational ministry. As you listen to his story and his journey, maybe you'll find resonance for yourself, and hopefully you'll find encouragement and how God might want to meet you where you are in this journey. Enjoy this conversation with Andy Lewis. Andy Lewis, so good to be with you today. Thanks for making time for this, and um just sort of a uh, disclosure of probably already said this on the intro, but Andy's a good friend and I'm just grateful to get to sit down and talk to my friend and share this with you. So Andy, tell us a little bit about your own journey, uh, upbringing, you know, how did you end up in ministry? Yeah. Well, first of all, Richard, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this podcast. I know we've talked about it a few times, so it's nice to be able to be a part of it. So thanks for inviting me for sure. this conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so starting off, I mean, I grew up in the church. Um, I, my dad was a pastor and I grew up seeing God change lives. I grew up at a very, very early age coming to know Jesus. I was probably about the age of five Mm -hmm. when bedtime prayers led to tell me about Jesus and what does it mean to follow Jesus and a prayer that as far as I could understand it, you know, I meant, and, uh, in the church I grew up at, you couldn't get baptized until the age of 12, because somehow the age of 12 was the age that somehow Magic. Jesus would actually honor your <laughs> baptism or something. So it was about the age of 12 in a backyard pool in the East Bay of, of the Bay Area. Mm. Um, so, you know, I had a really wonderful and very positive experience of like church life and community. And it was a, you know, uh, when growing up, it was probably what I like to now call a normal-sized church, probably about 150 to 200 okay. people. And then as I got older, the church had grown a bit and had a lot of people that we got to know and stuff. And I had a pretty good experience, actually, with a pastoral family. Hmm. I know a lot of people don't, as I've grown in my faith and in my own pastoral life, where, you know, growing up in a pastor's home is tough. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it can be tough from the point of view that your family's really put it under scrutiny. Yeah. I used to call it living in the fishbowl, mm-hmm. you know, where they're watching your every move. I felt a little bit of that, but never to the point of like, I felt the threat of like somehow having this kind of like limited freedoms mm. and things like that. I think mm. it was largely because my parents, thank God, didn't communicate that to us. Mm. Um, and I had the, the blessing that my parents at that time in my life were congruent as human mm. beings, mm. where I'd run into a lot of people who grew up in pastoral homes where parents are one way publicly, right. but very, very different. If you only knew. If, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I, there, there was this congruency, who they were in public, their humility, their understanding of grace was part of how we grew up mm. as well. But I definitely did not want to be a pastor. That was not the goal. No, 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 no. I didn't know what I wanted to be and <laughs> but, do but until not that. probably I saw, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to be until, well, that's actually not true. First of all, I wanted to be a soccer player of, and yeah. then I, I concluded in college, what, I got to play co- soccer all year long? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Cramps my style. But then I saw you 2 in concert with uh, the San Francisco Civic and just thought, wow, garage band, the power of music. And so I wanted to be a musician for, yeah. for a long, long time. And um, and were. You were. You and and I, are. I, I was. And I and I still do play music yeah. avocationally. Yeah. Um, but you, this was your... I want to be a, a working musician. Yeah. 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 I mean, I... I really, I wanted to be similar to what you two was trying to do, where it was like you can communicate a worldview that's mm-hmm. biblical through music, mm-hmm. and, but you don't have to be a Christian rock star. Right. I didn't want to live in adjective world, you know, uh, Christian this, Christian that. So that was my that those were my aspirations. And and you actually, I mean, you were you had a band, right? I had a band and... trying to pursue it, but. Every time there was an opportunity, live playing downtown San Francisco or downtown San Jose, and oh, we're going to have you open for this band or that band in the '80s, which would have potentially opened doors. <laughs> the Holy Spirit slammed him shut. Oh, so God oh. clearly was like, "No, you're not going there." Okay, that's, that's not what you're going to do. Which would have been hard. Yeah, well, it was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. It was sad for me. Yeah, um, I think my journey towards starting to take ministry seriously was I was still doing music, mm. but I felt like I still feel like I need to know the Bible. Mm. So I went to seminary. Not thinking necessarily pastoring. pastoring. No, okay. I, the last thing was what I was thinking. What I was thinking was I want to be well versed in the biblical worldview as a musician. Okay, sure. So seminary rock star. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, whatever gets your butt into seminary. (laughs) Great. Do that. And I did. And there just things started to change, started Mm. to shift in me. And God started to take away music as a possibility. And then to make a long story short, out of seminary, I tried to prove to God that the last thing I should do in ministry is pastor. (laughs) So I went and served as an intern at a college ministry up at Davis. For okay. one year, hoping to prove to God this is not what I should be doing. <laughs> and in that experience, it was actually the richest, funnest year of my life. Of so, so, so in other words, you went into it thinking, I'll do it, but I'm, I'm going to just prove to myself and God by this experience that, nope, this isn't me. Yeah, absolutely. And then it turns out, oh, it actually is me. Yeah, kind of like, darn it. <laughs> but also at the same time going, wow, just to see that God was using me and rich friendships, you know, other people who are pursuing God and also mm. themselves thinking about going into ministry and stuff like that. 
met my wife, who mm. the, the gal who had become my wife, Alita. Mm. So it was just a pivotal year, you know, a really, truly defining year of my life. And I was mm. like, okay, I, I, I guess God's leading into ministry. And I, and I was okay with that. Mm. But I still went through a number of years of like, but please not be a pastor. <laughs> please, please not that. So I went through, okay, I'll try a youth pastor. And I was like, eh, that's not quite it. And then I actually went back to my seminary that I was uh, a student at, and I was honored by the, the dean, Dr. David Ekman, who believed in me, hmm. don't know why, one of the graces of God, and had me come as kind of a goodwill ambassador for the seminary, and hmm. sometimes teaching some of his spiritual formation classes Wow! for about three years. And I was like, okay, I can do this because I'm not a pastor. <laughs> this works. Until God got a hold of my heart um, and just kind of was like, we're, we're going to do this. I'm calling you to be a pastor. Wow. So wow. that's how I got here. And so <laughs> so kind of the, and I get that, that's a, definitely my story, the kind of kicking and screaming, I, any, <laughs> yeah. anything but, and then of course, you know, end up doing it. But then, so you're in your first pastoral role, was that, was that Twin Lakes? It was. Okay. Yeah, it was and you're, Lakes. and tell us about that. You're leading a young adult ministry. Yeah. So when I first came here, uh, it's funny, you know, I remember going downstairs to our condo and just kind of praying like, God, is this really what you want me to do? Is this like really what I should do? And at the time I thought I had a vision in my mind, a picture as I was praying of me standing in front of a lot, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the number was, you know, and it, I took that as, first of all, it was a spirit directed vision and mm -hmm. we can come back to that mm -hmm. and uh, a sense of how God was going to use me if I said yes. And so we came over and we kind of started a, from a very small group of college students, college, college ministry, because I, I still to this day, I love college students. I think I Same. even still preach like I'm talking to college students. Same. And I know you can relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we started that and, you know, we did that for about five years. And yeah. at the same time in the late 90s, so many people, and you remember this as well, were contending with post-modernity, yeah. the Gen X generation. Mm. And what does this mean for the church? And so that kind of evolved into a church within a church mm -hmm. at Twin Lakes. That was called Genesis. And our first Sunday was right after 9-11. Oh, wow. Distinctly. Wow. And then we did that for about five years. And then that became the church that I'm now um, the lead pastor of, which it was a church plant called Faith Community Church. And okay. it is now 16 and a half-ish wow. years old, something like that. So one, you got through a lot of the, uh, you know, most church plants don't make it for more than, I mean, what is it, like eight out of 10 don't make it past a couple years? And, and I really didn't think it would. Did moments. really? Yeah. <laughs> In the early days. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, yeah. there's the there was the dream that you yeah. felt like God gave you. It was like, I, I think the, the phrase that comes to mind is, you know, and before me, a multitude that no one could count, right? Yes. You know, it was... Well, that's like the, the, the vision that I right. set, set I thought I had, you know, and I felt that when I was in college ministry and it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like, okay, well, maybe now that it's this new ministry and that it wasn't happening. And to this day, that vision has not happened <laughs> in the church um, that I, ha that I'm currently serving in, um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, I came in, like, just thinking, I, I don't think, I, I, I didn't fully understand 
the atmosphere I was breathing, breathing mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. cultural milieu of the church of the late 20th century and early 21st century. And I, so I didn't know I was breathing an oct- an atmosphere of nickels and noses, bodies, buildings, and bucks, all these metrics of right. success. And so, yeah, I mean, I came in thinking I'm not Charles Spurgeon, but I'm not a hack. So yeah. I quote unquote should mm-hmm. have X by now, or, you know, I should have, um, this kind of ministry, this kind of recognition, this kind of size, yeah. you know, so this kind of scale. Right. Like somehow the culture com- communicated to me, I was in control of the scale mm-hmm. of the harvest. Mm-hmm. Even though Jesus was pretty clear in some of his parables, it's like, well, some has this many fold and some have that many fold. And there's different ranges of how the Holy Spirit chooses yeah. to create, create scale yeah. in a ministry. And we're not the ones who actually control that. But that was not in my thinking. Not only, and, and to your point, though, not in your thinking, because that wasn't the environment yeah. that you were in, which was very much based in if you follow certain kinds of uh, pathways. You know, if, yeah. you're, if, you, if you create a, you know, a really good worship service, if you're a good communicator, if you have good music, if you develop the programs, if you do it all right... right. This is and and you know dozens of emails in your uh, you know inbox telling you how to make a successful church right and yep. and that that is, and success equals size right Correct. success equals size and influence yeah and I and I felt that and the thing that's really interesting about my story and I wonder if this is probably more common though not spoken about for most pastors so and if you're out here and you're listening to this podcast and you're like thank you hmm. well good I'm glad I can help is to say. I, I felt those things that we're talking about very openly now. Mm-hmm. However, I was quite aspirational out loud about a very different thing. Mm. And by that, I mean, I would tell myself, well, you know, I would say the things that we know are biblical. God is bringing the people that he wants to have mm-hmm. here. And the size of this and the scale, the scale of this, I don't control. Mm-hmm. The size of this is what God has given me to steward. And I would say those things. But the, the problem was there was a disconnect between my external aspirational talk yeah. and what I was actually feeling deeply right. in my gut. Right. And that led to problems. Yeah. And I mean, understandably, understandably, whether it's a quiet internal disappointment or disillusionment that can set in or... Um, or what's wrong with me, or what's wrong with you people looking at the char- the congregation, yes. yeah. Um, or yeah, I mean because we can say, like you said, we say the right things. No, it's it, it, it all matters. It's all up to God. It's not about me. And yet, you know, think about how many church or how many conferences have you ever been to where the pastor that gets invited to speak has a church of a hundred people, big time. And so we, we say one thing, but we actually seem to value another, right? right and right. and this is not to dismiss mega church or big church or any size church. It's just say what happens inside of us as leaders and pastors, right? Yeah. So what? Ha- so yeah, you're you're facing this internal dissonance. Okay, God, I I reluctantly, <laughs> right? But I I I said yes, I said and yes. I went, and yep. and you gave me. I thought this vision, and it's not happening. So what what happened? Yeah, I mean, for one, through it all, God was doing good work. You know, mm. He was doing good work in me. Mm. I was growing and I was learning, and God was doing good work through me. I got to disciple some pretty amazing people and mm. see God change people's lives. Um, 
but it all ultimately led and what it was that led to us is this this disparity between my aspirational talk mm. and what was really being felt in the gut mm. and and those two ha those had to come somehow together and resolve it mm. and that led me to burnout mm. you know it led me into burnout now i will say in burnout um there's a couple things there i think part of burnout in some degree is sort of natural in the 40s there's mm -hmm. there's some degree of which we have to confront things that have to kind of be rethought we're kind of launching from you know how we've been doing things and move into transitions of how will we be doing things going forward mm -hmm. um, that there's just different phases in the life of a leader and there's many people who published many books about that in christian mm -hmm. leadership about the different phases so i'm not even going to try mm -hmm. to but I, but I know that was part of it, mm -hmm. was kind of to help me normalize, you're going through a transition, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But there was another part that wasn't okay. And I really just had to confront the, this noxious atmosphere of success. Mm. And I had to really just lay it before the altar and mm -hmm. just say, this isn't okay. And it started basically from, I don't know, six months to a year of my dear wife, who is a licensed marriage family therapist, mm listening to me mm. you know groan and grieve and because things weren't good enough and big enough and you know meanwhile she could see the beauty of what god actually was doing mm. even though the scale wasn't this and the just whatever wasn't that but one night when we were talking about it and i was going you know through my dark hole of complaints she just finally said to me she says you need help mm. and that's when i went uh oh mm. Nothing. And so thankfully, I really reached out and, you know, I took a break. I took for me a, a six month sabbatical and I met with a counselor who was extremely helpful to me mm. and just led me through this journey. And there's there's a lot of threads in it. But be, being that this podcast is about the life and the soul of a ministry person. Mm -hmm. For me, it really was just kind of I, I think the final thing was I I had a really hard, tough prayer conversation with God where I finally got congruent mm. and I, I jokingly call it co coughing up my hairball mm. um, where I just, I mean, I'm not proud of it, but the truth is, is I F-bombed God mm -hmm. and said, you owe me, mm -hmm. big guy. Mm -hmm. I've worked hard for you mm -hmm. and there's all these things that I've been told that I'm guaranteed or I should have mm. and I do not have them. And almost as soon as I really let God have it with what I was really feeling, I felt like this relief inside. Mm. Almost like the Holy Spirit was there whispering, hey, big guy, the Holy Three have known this all along, <laughs> and you're only finally catching up. Yeah. And it's okay. This is where we're going to start the conversation. And I think from that moment on, that really mm. became a journey out and a real freedom to the things I was saying aspirationally started to become my core. Mm. Like, as I was like, this is, yeah, this is what ministry is. This is, I don't control scale. I don't mm. control outcomes. I don't control anything mm. except my response to God, mm -hmm. my response to people mm -hmm. and my response to the situation. Mm -hmm. And even when my response to people and the situation's good, I still don't control how well they respond. Yeah. So it just kind of helped me really get grounded back into this life of faithfulness mm. and fruitfulness. But in the fruitfulness, I don't control how many apples sprout and how big they get. Yeah, I can nurture the soil. I can you know, do what I can. And God is going to be faithful with that. And I'm going to have the eyes to see what Jesus Christ is doing in the field he's given me mm. rather than 
cr criticizing it yeah. and telling Jesus how he's not doing enough. <laughs> You use the word, and the word has been used a lot these days, and we're hearing pastor after pastor talk about, you know, whether it's in surveys or individuals, like, I'm burned out, I'm burned out. And yeah. so that word uh, has taken on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. So for you, Andy, when you, I mean, I don't know if you would have even used that term back then, but what were some of the symptoms, yeah. if you were, if you, in, in hindsight, that yeah. you would say, well, these were indicators that now looking back, I would say that were I was either in or headed towards what you would call burnout. I think like physiologically, mm -hmm. um, the serotonin levels were just depleted. Mm. And uh, I, I read it. It was actually a really good book, but the title is incredibly ironic, Leading on Empty by uh -huh. Wayne Cordero. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a deeply ironic title. <laughs> Should we be leading on empty? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but he had some really, I, I will say, give him credit. There was a lot of good things in there. Uh -huh. And one of them, you know, he talked about how serotonin, you don't do a like a, if your battery on your car is dead, you can jumpstart it, and then it probably will recharge. Uh -huh. It's more like a dead battery in the body that's a trickle charge. Uh -huh. You know, you can't just go away to Maui for one week. Right. So I could feel the depletions. Uh -huh. Like I just didn't have margin hmm. to recover physically, um, and I definitely just could so easily spiral into mm. despair. Mm. Um, even though I would try to do the work, like, where did this start from? Where did this start from? And, you know, I'd be disappointed with myself that inevitably it was like a low turnout at mm -hmm. Sunday. I'm like, really? You're still doing this? Mm. Um, and uh, just not having margin for critique, mm. uh, emails, um, just, it all just led to more and more feelings of just despair. Mm. Um, and I will say this, it's like, you know, you might be listening to this thinking, oh, that's not going to happen to me. I take my vacations. I do that. Well, I was that guy. Hmm. Like I was surprised to find myself. I was really good with margins about not overworking every week. Hmm. I took my days off. I took all of my vacation because I wanted to preserve against that happening. To yeah. Me. Um, but it did. And I think a lot of it really was about a, it was about the difficulties of plant planting a church. It's yeah. hard. Yes. As you well know. Yes. But it's also, but it was also like there was this hairball uh -huh. that the Holy Spirit had to help me get it out yeah. to free me up. I've gone back, when I went back to my church after six months, Alita and I were like, we don't know if we're rehabilitative therapists to help this thing get going with better energy or we're hospice nurses to let it mm. die well. Mm. And God had put us in a place at the end of it where we're con deeply content either way. Mm. It ended up being rehabilitative therapists, mm -hmm. mm. but the church in these last years since I came back from sabbatical, it, it it's not that much bigger. I mean, I will be clear. So people are listening. You might have in your mind like, oh, okay, now it's the job ending, right? So now it's five thousand <laughs> people. Right. No, it's a normal sized church. It's yeah. probably one hundred and fifty or something like that with all the kids. But the the miracle is not that. The miracle is the inside of this old dude's heart. Yeah. I don't, we don't count on Sundays anymore. Yeah. 
We and the only thing I think somebody counts for like fire security in case <laughs> there's a fire in the building. Okay. I don't know what it is uh-huh. because we've learned even as the elders of our church, like what is that really telling us? Mm. You know, what we are more focused on is like who is here? Is somebody missing? Mm. What's going on in their life? Are the mm. marriages healthy? Mm. Are we as elders healthy? Mm-hmm. Is our relationship as elders healthy? Mm-hmm. Is our ability to nurture our ministry directors healthy? How mm. are they doing? Mm. And you know, are people being baptized? Those are the kinds of things that we're more, you know, focused on. So the yeah. miracle we're going back to that is that I've changed. Yeah. Like I don't, it, and it is a miracle. Like mm. I literally had to tell God, I have a death grip on these metrics of success. Mm. I know I have to let them go. I can't. Yeah. Like I need your grace to peel off every digit uh, off of it. Uh-huh. And he did. Mm. I think that's a, a, such a important thing to say. One, A, even even when you're talking about burnout, like you can be doing externally yeah. the right things. Oh, yeah, I, I take my vacation. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not overworking it. And yet if we're not attending to that internal stuff, it's yeah. like, you know, in soul care, that's the, you know, we're doing, it's an inside job, right? It's, the, it's, it's showing up with what is happening inside of me and having the courage to get to, and sometimes it has to take this peeling away of layers to get to the honest truth is God, you know, and I, I, I had that, had that journey myself in ministry of the honest truth is God. I thought I, whether you signed on or not, I made a deal with you that this is what the outcomes would look like. And you haven't held up your end of the bargain. And then to face into, oh, you didn't sign up for that. And you might have something different than I had in mind. Yeah. That was a hard place to yeah. get to. But then even to say, oh, okay, I've done the work of naming my difficult and hard emotional and spiritual reality. Yeah. But to just say, okay, now I just believe differently. Know that that transformative work. And that tell us, let's lean in a little more there because yeah. it was like you knew in your head that this, once you began, like, okay, this is, this is the core of it, right? I'm angry at you, God. I'm frustrated at what the outcomes, if you will, of what I thought uh, I could expect and what they've been. Yeah. And you said, and yet there's been this, it was still an ongoing work to kind of pry loose internally from those, you know, those expectations. Yeah. How, how, how does, how did you experience that transformation over time? Well, I guess, let me ask you a clarifying question. Are you asking like, as I reentered coming back or like in the process of the burnout phase and realizing? Wherever you want to go. Okay. I mean, I would say like in the burnout phase, it was just six months of just hard work. I mean, the church really could only afford to pay me three months off. And then a leader and I are like, well, we need three more. This guy needs three more. We, so that was a crucible of faith to trust that we had three young kids and God provided. I want to tell you, don't, don't bow to the, we could never do that. Mm. You, you can, if God's inviting you into Mm. that process, he will find a way. And he did. Yeah. So it was that, and I think just being tender to my, learning how to be tender towards myself and to mm. recognize I was much more human mm. than I wanted to admit to myself. Mm. You know, and I think going all the way back, this is another component, is as much as my, my pastoral family w- was really pretty good and very healthy, there were still parts that weren't healthy. Mm. Uh, my older brother once coined a term for our families like, well, we take prayer requests, we don't give them. Oh. And so... That spirit of that uh-huh. had to also become unraveled mm. in my burnout because it was kind of like, well, I, I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't have full humanity here. I'm a mm-hmm. pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have and a role I, to play here. Yeah, I have a role to play, and gosh darn it, I kind of do have my act together, mm. right? There's mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And realizing I don't have my act together. I'm just as much of a need of grace desperately as everybody else. Mm. Um, so being tender with that, realizing that, being tender with my body. Mm. I mean, the first month I just slept mm. and then ate a little bit and slept and went on walks. And there was no agenda except to try to just get back to wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think it's wise to have a plan mm. with people you're going to check in with and things like that. Mine included a counselor. Um, and, you know, and I went through even assessments like maybe it's not ministry, hmm. you know, and there were different things that the assessments indicated maybe, you know, could lead me. Although they ironically were saying sort of something clergy-ish. And I was like, dang it. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would be rocket scientist. Right, right, right. yeah. Hoping NBA star. Different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what about back to music? Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, just through the journey of that, coming to a place of real surrender and feeling mm. like, I, I can go back. Mm. I can go back. Um, and then as going back, yeah. this is, I think, a little bit of what I think I was hearing in your question mm-hmm. was, yeah, it's great. You have this encounter and you've had these new conclusions. How are you going to sustainably live that and mm-hmm. walk that out? Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, it's just been a constant process of just kind of bringing myself back to what is what does Jesus want for this church? Mm-hmm. It's His church, not mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. It rises or falls based on Him. I'm trying to do the best I can with stewarding it. Mm-hmm. I, and it's funny, you know, it's not a biblical thing at all. It actually comes from my grandfather, but it has really helped me pastorally. Is an old saying from my grandfather: "Is you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's really helped me pastorally hmm. um, when I'm dealing with people in crisis, when I'm preaching, when we're trying to lead forth with a vision for, you know, where we do our ministry. It's like, it's not under my control to make people mm. drink. Mm. All I can just go, there's the living water. Mm. Let's go there. Mm. And do you want a little help? Walk in there. Mm. I'll walk with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, really helped yeah. in the process. I think it's helped me just sort of, sustain the dna of what i what i got out of that season of burnout and that seems so much andy about surrender right Mm -hmm. so that there's that surrender was it it, there was sort of a a a big moment of it if you will i you know or a a season of it and then an ongoing kind of uh layering of of okay laying this down and and bringing that back to god and and so, you know, and, and, and so ever since it's just been, you know, smooth sailing, right? Yeah. Just easy. easy. Like, like all pastoral ministry (laughs) these days, right? Just easy. But I will say, I mean, the foundations it laid helped me so greatly during the pandemic. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, what's also been added to it. I am an alumni of soul care was the, the idea and the principle and foundation by St. Ignatius, when Hmm. you're literally saying I want Mm -hmm. and I choose yeah. Everything that God's giving me, everything, yeah, to deepen the life of God in me, yeah, and that that's been a kind of like a renewed commitment of sort of the same things that, you know, it can get hard, but okay, I I want everything that you want to give to me as a pastor and give to us as a church body, yeah, um, and let's see what He has for us in it. Yeah, there's such a freedom there, isn't there? And the freedom isn't. 
it's not freedom like I oh I don't care. It's not like I just going to become so zen somehow that nothing touches me. It's like no to ache deeply to be to grieve to rejoice Absolutely. to all those things, but to say that anything and everything has the possibility even in the and especially often in the hard things to it can by the work of God in me lead to the deepening of God's life in me. Right. And if you're serving in a servant leader role, the deepening of the lives of the people around you. Yeah. Because they're they're watching mm. and they're experiencing and they there's an osmosis in the body mm. of Christ. Mm. You know, which that just that statement right there is what really saddens me and I know you as well. And the soul care ministry is like this is why the deepening of the life of the servant leader is so important. Yes. You know, we're just a bunch of showboaters and we're car salesmen and stuff like that. <laughs> Well, this is what you end up with, with all the things that we find from the Barna research about mm. how discipleship in America, American Christians look exactly the same statistically on almost every count mm-hmm. when it comes to morality and decisions and all that kind of stuff. So, so Andy, I'm imagining there's some people listening to you, some pastors and um, ministry leaders, or or just people in their whatever vocation they're in, that are, if they're really honest, if they, and maybe for some that honesty is right at the surface. For some, it might take a little bit of even just maybe just tell yourself and God for now. But that are they're disillusioned that what they thought life or ministry or you know their vocation would turn out is not going the way they thought it should or would. And it feels like God's let them down or, or others or life and God's over all those things. So, you know, what, what would you want to say to them if they're finding themselves in that place in this season? Slow down, Mm. be attentive, Mm. you know, don't try to race by and medicate. You know, be attentive to it. Don't be afraid to really explore what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Where is the disillusionment lie? Um, and then give yourself permission to be led into a new way, a mm. new way of being. Um, for me, you know, well, I would say, you know, there's for me, there's always like the illustration of Abraham and, and Isaac. Mm. It's either going to be the dream gets handed right back to you mm. or God's going to take it and replace it with something else, Mm. you know, and, but you can trust that whatever dream God has given you for your, your life. And I believe God does that. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit, the creative part of the, 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 the Holy three has, I think, breathed into everybody some sense of like what they would like to do in Mm -hmm. this world Mm -hmm. creatively and purposefully Mm -hmm. and to, to go, okay, then I want to steward that. And I want to f- sit with this disillusionment and steward. What does that mean? What is that telling me? Mm-hmm. Talk to a pastor. Talk to some dear friends that trust you and know you and know your crap. Um, <laughs> and, a, you know, a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, take some assessments. Look mm-hmm. at some other possible jobs and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think the main thing I would say is don't talk yourself out of your feelings. Mm-hmm. Don't medicate your feelings. Mm-hmm. Don't try to run ahead of your feelings. Attend to them. Mm, really yeah. pay attention yeah. and and 
slow down and find out what is there. There's something there that you need to discover. Yeah, uh, we we use this quote a lot around Soul Care. I've probably said it on this podcast more than once, which is that God's home address is reality. And what I find is that sometimes I think about that and think, oh, God lives in reality. But it's like, well, God wants to invite me to name what is real for me because that's the best, that's the way, place he can meet me. He's not looking to meet me in what, where I think I should be or, or what I, you know, what I used to be, but where I actually am right now is the, that's the best place God and I are going to find one another. Right? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I know that made a big difference for me. Mm. And just, you know, particularly if you're in any kind of ministry at all, it's just to give yourself the permission to be fully human. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's just so important. And a lot of times we don't allow ourselves that mm. for the, the sake of the, sco- scape, s- the scale of the need. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're like, I, I, I can't be human right now. There's, the need is so great. Mm. Or the ego. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't need to be human. I'm, I'm something other. Um, no, we need to just embrace we're human. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Andy, I want to come back to that dream. Yeah. You had that vision oh, that yeah. you thought was God, yeah, or at yeah. least, you know. Like, and and here's here's what I would offer, just as since because I haven't heard that from you before, but it, the reality is over these, you know, twenty something years plus of ministry, I don't know more than that. The truth is, if everybody that you touched yeah. and impacted, and that they impacted and stuff, it would be a multitude like that. But it's just not what it looks like on Sunday morning. In one right? snapshot. Yeah. Right. yeah, but where where is God done with that dream? Well, what's interesting about that is is that I'm glad you came back to it. Is that it during that burnout? I feel like the Holy Spirit said that never really was. <laughs> that was not from God. <laughs> that was your exuberance, which is fine. <laughs> You're a young man, and you're exuberant, and some little bit of flesh involved there. Uh, that really, that was not from us. Okay, <laughs> and that and that was freeing to yeah. be like, okay, uh, I can let that go, and now I just am going to live within the, the vision of what God has. And I think you know the way you painted it is 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 accurate. Yeah. I mean, that is accurate mm-hmm. of like the reach. And even to this day, I'm not going to know. Just mm-hmm. like I don't, none of us knows until mm-hmm. eternity. Hey, you're little comment here and your thing there yeah you know made a difference your gift financially here mm. so um it was it was hilariously freeing to go that wasn't ever i don't think from the holy spirit uh, yeah yeah i i have i still hold on to this as a memory not as a not as a promise that someone number of years ago when i was doing ministry in arizona said to me uh that they had a vision that i would one day be you know, in front of a stadium. He pictured me in a stadium yes. full of people. <laughs> and there was some, I'm sure there was a part of my ego that like, okay, all right, Bring let's, it. yeah, let's go. And now it's like, I can't even imagine, uh, honestly, what, what that would even be. And, and I'm really, really fine with that never uh, coming about. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless I get to be on stage with you two, not singing, just, just, just standing, just, just, standing, just, just standing in awe. That would be cool. In the dome in Vegas. <laughs> there would be, yeah. Andy, thank you. Thank you for just your honesty, uh, personally for your friendship and just for sharing your journey that I know that so many can relate to. Thank you for it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's conversation. We hope it's been helpful to you, and we'd love to serve you in any way we can at Wellspring. For more information about who we are and what we do, 
please go to wellspringca.org or look us up on Facebook. Just search under Wellspring. Until next time, grace and peace.